Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. So Jen and I are always on the go. And we are always struggling to find that snack, especially packaged snacks, which we don't like to do a lot of, that will satiate us, make us feel full, and gives us some good, high-quality protein and other nutrients that we can actually trust. One of my rules is I don't like to eat things out of boxes, bags, or cans. And I'm not just saying that. That's why I love to cook so much. That's why I love to make things from scratch. But Paleo Valley really gives you a high-quality snack. We love their beef sticks. We love their turkey sticks, and we know it's only made with the best quality ingredients. They only use 100% grass-finished beef. They only use pasture-raised turkey, and you can trust the ingredients. You look at the label, and you know every ingredient that's on there and say, hey, yeah, I trust putting that in my body. So if you want to try them out, head to the link in our show notes and use code OPTIMAL for 10% off. Get yourself some beef sticks. They have a money back guarantee, which I can guarantee you won't be wanting your money back once you taste these things. So grab some beef sticks, use code OPTIMAL for 10% off, and we know that you'll love them. Heading into another interview that Jen and I just loved because it's about something that we're not really experts in, the gut and the microbiome, we are going to be spending some time chatting with Lisa and Alana the Mac twins. So these two are identical twins and as identical twins constantly been searching for ways that they can distinguish themselves from the other. And through this, they became the guinea pigs for the British gut project where they had lots of testing done. And this kind of where is where their journey began because they realized how starkly different their gut microbiome was. And this is where their gut journey began. Alana and Lisa have spent the past few years interviewing tons of experts, scientists, academics, chefs, foodies, everything to get the real scoop on and science behind what we eat and how it impacts our gut. They give so many practical tips on how we can be slightly more aware and start to address this in our own lives. Stay tuned. Lisa and Alana, thank you so much for being with us here. The Gut Twins, we're so excited to dive in on all of the research you've done, all of the things you've done to really bring great gut health info to the people. Thank you for having us. Um, yeah, we'll speak as slowly as we can, <laughs> as slowly and, um, yeah, and less Scottish-like as we can. <laughs> no, we appreciate it. I think it's going to be fun with both of you guys. You guys put out incredible, incredible information. So you guys should just go look at their page right now. We've got the Mac twins and we have the gut stuff. <laughs> so both amazing pages. You guys are doing beautiful work and just bringing a lot of awareness and education, which is what I'm excited to dive in on because there is so much information out in the world, especially now that we have TikTok and we have these quick videos of everyone who's going to heal your gut, you know, and and I think it's important to to get to the reality of what all of this really means. So first of all, how did you guys kind of fall into this journey that you're in about the gut? Very, very randomly is the answer. So we are from, um, you know, we do definitely do not come from a background where health and well-being, you know, is discussed when we were growing up. You know, we used to eat deep fried pizza and chips for lunch um, and it's very much not our world. Um, then we went on to become DJs. So 
<sighs> we um, did a show called Love Island, actually, which I think oh, is yeah. quite big where you guys are now as well. We yeah, weren't contestants. We were like the official DJs. So we would do the, the spin-off show and we were on tour uh, we had what we were on radio on Saturday nights. We were touring all over the world, so living a very hedonistic lifestyle and <laughs> definitely not looking after our guts. Um, but we volunteered for Twin Research, which is the research facility here in London under Tim Spector, um, who you might have seen a, a bit more now um, due to his COVID um, symptom study app. But um, he asked us, you know, Alana and I had really different health pathways growing up. So Alana had juvenile chronic arthritis and they couldn't work out why, because obviously we're identical twins. I hadn't had it. And there was, you know, a series of events growing up that we just didn't have the same um, health pathways. So Tim was like, do you guys, the American Gut Project just happened. I should probably mention that. And he was like, do you guys want to have your gut analyzed? And we were like, yeah, okay, Tim, what, what do we have to do? And usually at Twin Research, you get, you kind of go for the day. There's loads of different types of tests you know you get tested for bone density mental dexterity and they do like taste bud tests like loads of cool stuff for twins and um, but this particular study was longer so it was two months long and uh basically we we're like cool what do we have to do and he's like well you have to um eat basically only processed foods and lots of alcohol for a month. And we were like, yay, great, fine. <laughs> and the second month we were put on like a Mediterranean diet. We had to send our stool samples off every day. We had to have, of course, loads of blood tests. We had to have colonoscopies. Didn't realize, you know, what they were until we signed the waiver form. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, but, uh, Luckily, medical research got a lot from our bodies at the time and they realized that even though we had 100% the same DNA, we only had around 30 to 40% the same gut microbiome, which we'll probably get onto. Um, and this sort of, you know, blew out the water everything that we'd kind of known about nutrition. Because firstly, um, you know, if we can't be sold the same diet, no one can. Our bodies behave completely differently. Secondly, we weren't just speaking to like gastroenterologists. We were speaking to immunologists, the head of Parkinson's research as we were going through the study and we were like, mm. you know, this thing's a lot wider spread than just, um, you know, diet and nutrition and the microbiome is involved in a lot more. And then lastly, as you kind of touched upon there, like where people were getting their information from online, um, people were potentially following really restrictive diets and not necessarily evidence-based products. Um, so we were like, could we be the kind of you know, one-stop shop for this research mm -hmm. in terms of like how we disseminate it. And we wanted to get, you know, straight from the scientist's mouth to the public. So yeah, and it started off just as a YouTube series and now, um, yeah, it's very much its own beast. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's just like this topic that I feel like continues to grow. It's just like the more that I hear about things like, oh, skin issues, gut problems. Oh, arthritis, <laughs> gut problems. Oh, so how did you start to go about, um, even with yourselves, understanding what physical presentations you might have been presenting with? Like you mentioned the juvenile arth arthritis. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and how that related into the gut. Yeah, it's a good question, actually. We've never been asked that. I think like the main thing that we kind of had to pedal back to was to kind of go back to school and learn actually kind of, you know, physiologically what the gut is. Because a lot of us were just like, you know, we were we were like, what do you mean our stomach? And I think when you realize, you know, it's everything from kind of mouth to bum and all the organs and all the different things that are involved, like it's a really complex beast. And I think when you start to touch upon that, you know, and you start to learn things like your gut bacteria actually teach your immune cells and around 95% of your serotonin is produced in your gut. You're like, oh my God, this is a minefield. Just 
the microbiome, you know, firstly, we were like, what does that mean? That's a big word that, you know, <laughs> we don't understand. And, you know, just that there's this ecosystem um, that live in, around and on us, you know, that we wouldn't be alive without was something that really blew our minds, really. And, you know, we were 80s babies. So we were like, what? Not all bacteria is bad. And, you know, what are these? What, what are they doing? And, you know, that sort of just learning, as Lisa said, the basics, um, about the gut and the microbiome really, really fascinated us. And then from there, it just opened so many doors to sort of different out- health outcomes. Yeah. So let's break that down then. <laughs> you know, there might be people listening. What is the microbiome? What does that mean? So, you know, I think as well, like just the words, the microbiome, it's quite, you know, people are like, all right, great. But basically how we try and describe it, because there's loads of different ways to talk about it, like microbiota, microbes, but basically we have well over a trillion little microbes that are made up of bacteria, viruses, fungi, and other organisms. They're just sort of like chilling in and around our body. And the reason that, uh, you know, we, we kind of relate a lot of it to gut health is that they're mostly housed within our large intestine. So they're kind of like a big tropical jungle of loads of different species living and kind of working in harmony. And, you know, if you, as Alana said, if you told us this a couple of years ago, we would have been like, wash us, what's going on? But actually they do so much amazing, important stuff for us, our gut microbes. You know, they do everything that you think about control calories and, you know, that we absorb and store. They prevent us from getting infections. They manage cholesterol hormone imbalance like so much they are super clever Um, and they also you know communicate with our nervous system and brain and influence our bone strength and so much more and I think you know we've we've kind of known that they've been there in the way of like we've kind of known a bit about good bacteria and probiotics but they've not potentially known the extent to which they're important to our health and well-being yeah and how do we start to communicate you know since it is such an integrated part of our body. It's not just the gut. It's, you know, it's kind of, it, it, it goes throughout our entire body, just like you just said, it's even integrated with our nervous system and everything. So how do we start to tap into this? How do we start to become aware? So I think, you know, like, as we said, kind of learning the basics. And then I think the, the, the main kind of piece to realize is that the research is still so new so we don't really know yet what a good microbiome or a bad microbiome could potentially look like Mm. so when we were speaking to the scientists we were like all the science is really great and I kind of get it now but you know how does that translate into my lifestyle and what does that mean and I think you know in the future one day Hopefully we'd envision sending our poo off in the post, getting, you know, your own personalized probiotics and diet plan for you. Great. Uh, But now at the minute we have to just, there's kind of broad stroke tips um, that we go through in the book as well. And I think all the scientists, when we asked them, we were like, how, you know, what, what do we have to do in order to like feed our good bacteria and do stuff? And we thought they were going to say, okay, there's this magic pill in a lab, (laughs) thousands of pounds, but actually they were like fiber. Um, you know, variety, trying to cut down on highly processed foods. Mm. And we were like, oh, that stuff's really quite simple. And that was why, you know, we started the website because we were like, we were on that kind of journey with everyone else. And the feedback we were getting from scientists was, yes, this is a really complex topic, but the tips that we can give are quite simple and accessible. I think as well, we've been starting to, because we've actually pledged to educate a million people in 2021, which is quite ambitious. Woo! But, you know, we talk everywhere from corporate 
big corporates to universities, schools. We've even been on construction sites talking to builders. And an analogy that resonates with quite a lot of people is this idea of a festival. So seeing your your microbes like the, the sort of festival goers. So there's lots of different types of people that go to a festival. You know, some people like Metallica and some people like Ariana Grande. And if only one band turned up, you'd have, you know, a lot of people that weren't happy or you'd only have one type of sort of person or personality. So what you want is, you know, a really diverse um, mix of, of people. And that's what we want in, in our guts as well. And that's what they're sort of pointing towards is that diversity um, of, of different species in your microbiome could be, um, you know, linked to sort of better health outcomes. Yeah, that's a super, super good point. And I love how you bring up this festival analogy and just how it's really this living, breathing thing that that can change over time. And I think a lot of people hear about that and you know everyone's obsessed with these food sensitivity tests or you know what am i sensitive to and i want you to talk a little bit into that like is it valuable to do something like that and maybe test oh what is my body reacting differently to but how can we maybe get more diversity in that gut biome how can we what can we do to promote more diversity at our festival yeah so to your first point unfortunately a lot of the tests that um, claimed to test for food intolerances don't have any scientific evidence behind them mm. um, and you know we get asked about them a lot and people are restricting lots of different things and to put it simply without going into this, the too heavy science about it they're essentially detecting different types of food in your bloodstream and it's these tests tend to just be a list of the things that you've eaten <laughs> so that's why when people come to us going oh no I have to cut out like bread wine <laughs> fun um, and unfortunately <laughs> they just don't have any robust scientific evidence behind them so that's why we always say if you are concerned about potentially having a food intolerance or allergy you need to get that tested properly um, with a doctor and, and secondly um you know, you would know if you were you were celiac, and I, and I think teaching yourself about the difference between an allergy and an intolerance as well, because that's something that we kind of had to learn, um, is a really good step. And then a food diary is a really great way, and it's really simple. You know, we've we've created one with some uh, dietitians and and doctors, and essentially, I mean, there's lots of nice poos to circle, and um, but you're just kind of right. It's not to do with calories or writing things down. It's more to do with trying to see patterns and potential triggers. So that would be the first step, and then diversity. Um, you know, I think the first shift has to be behavioural because we go into the supermarket, we buy all that we're like peppers, we know what to do with them. But until we know what each of our gut bacteria, you know, like to eat, we have to throw lots of stuff at the wall and have lots of different types of diversity. So yeah, lots of different colors. The kind of magic number actually that came out of the American gut project was, um, 30 different plant-based so types of, so it could be fruit and veg, nuts and seeds count as well a week. Uh, and that sounds like quite a big whopper of a number, but actually, um, if you include things like mixed seeds, you know, mixed salad bags, um, it's quite easy it can become easier, sorry, to hit that number. Um, so yeah, and fiber as well. So fiber, we know, you know, historically, we've always kind of known about fiber, but it's like the unsung hero of, it's like the bassist in the band that nobody really knows the name of, of <laughs> um, if we continue with the festival analogy. And um, yeah, we know, we've known that kind of fiber bulks our stool, but you know, what we're starting to learn is that it actually feeds the good bacteria in our gut as well. Um, so yeah, that's probably the two main things that we think are 
the simplest things to start with. I think as well that we always think as fiber is like the fairy dust on making a really good party. Because <laughs> um, it really sort of like helps the, the festival goers and our microbes, um, yeah, thrive really. So yeah, fiber is definitely the thing that you'll probably see. And if you've you've seen our Instagram, it's probably the thing that we harp on about most because it is so so important. And you know, here in the UK, the recommended daily amount of fiber is thirty grams um, per day, and nine out of ten of us aren't getting enough, which is a huge number. And you know, it is a hard number to hit. For example, a portion of broccoli is only two and a half grams, or an apple is only two and a half grams so to get to 30 grams you know it's quite tough but um the fact that the majority of us aren't getting anywhere near that you know maybe only about half there's there's a lot of work to do on the fiber education but also yeah that we you know we are eating fiber we're just not eating anywhere near enough that's so interesting there's been a lot of people who start consuming loads of fiber and all of a sudden now they're feeling super bloated or you know they're feeling like it's affecting the gut in that way because they're just consuming a bunch of fiber that they maybe haven't before, why would the bloat start to happen in that case? So that's usually because um, your gut microbes are getting so excited that they have such a big meal and they start to produce more gas. So what we say with that usually when we, we ask our nutritionists and dietitians what advice they would give on that is, you know, try and introduce fiber slowly. Um, and secondly, make sure you're drinking enough water. Um mm your gut is really adaptable so it will get used to it um but yeah we would just say kind of yeah don't go from zero to hero but yeah that's why your gut bugs are essentially having a bit too much fun at the party and that's why they tend to produce a bit more gas and also just to caveat fiber if you do have a digestive issue speak to your health practitioner about fiber because it can be diff- completely different message for people that have a digestive issue oh so interesting Can you just give like quick examples of fiber real quick of how we can get this accessible throughout the day? Yeah, so we actually have a a fiber table on our website because it's so difficult because food um, products don't actually have to show the amount of fiber like they do things like carbohydrates and sugar. Um, So yeah, I'm going to just get up the fiber table if you want to talk a bit more. But yeah, Yeah. it's basically keep your skin on your fruit and veg which is an easy one, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even if it's mashed potato. And I can confirm mm. that roast potatoes are still as crispy with the skin on, <laughs> um, which, you know, was a big question for me that I had to test out. Also swapping um, white rice, white pasta or white bread for for whole grain brown. Um, that definitely sort of tips it up. Um, and yeah, just having as much fruit and veg. And, and you know, when Lisa's got the fibre table up, um, it's it's fruit and veg aren't all treated equally when it comes to fiber um, they're all quite different so that's why you know the fiber table is quite good to see and um, to help you sort of top up tot up those numbers yeah and I guess like the kind of additions that I'll we can put, pop it in we can send the fiber table to you because it's absolutely massive it's about six pages long I don't want to bore everyone with listing every <laughs> <laughs> grams of fiber but those kind of tips of yeah like you know swapping brown for white or doing half and half keeping the skins on nuts and seed mixes on things like porridge and overnight oats um you know Mother Nature, fortunately, has given us so many different types of different dietary fibers that, you know, when we first started, we were like, do you mean just like prune juice? (laughs) Um, But, you know, we always say adding some nuts and seeds onto your hummus, like lots of different crudités. So you've got lots of different types of dietary fibers. Um, And we've actually got 
as well on our site we, we get our nutritionists to do like simple swaps so it's like simple swaps of how to add in fiber to your extra bits of fiber to meals that you would probably be having anyway i i'm a huge fan of that recommendation because first off i love to cook i love to spend time in the kitchen but i for the longest time just stopped taking skins and peels and the portions off of the different veg that for me i just I, I just think I noticed how my body started to love it more and more. And, you know, I love the point that you bring up about yeah, our our gut bacteria are just getting so excited once all of a sudden we <laughs> dump all of this fiber on top of it because so many people aren't used to it. It's the same as working out. You don't just run 10 miles your first day. <laughs> so if you're going to start transitioning in, you have to do it with a little bit more intention. And that's where I feel like some people get turned away from plants and say, okay, I'm just going to go to something and do like the carnivore diet where I eat more so a ton of protein and I don't feel that bloat and my body loves it and I slim down really fast. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, what we've realized at the gut stuff, you know, we in our 20s, we fell foul to every fad diet. So we did the cane pepper diet when Beyonce did it. Oh. And, you know, all those sort of diets that, you know, the sort of fad diets that you do for two weeks and then you fall off the bandwagon. And, you know, our behavioral mindset about health was, you know, either, you know, health was just something, you know, health was just not being ill and wellness was standing on your head drinking green smoothies. Do you know what I mean? There was there was no in between. And I think we were very much of the of the seeing as diet and health as something two weeks before we went on holiday. Um, and it was very much about restriction. And going on our gut health journey and going through all the experiments, you know, we realized that it was about wasn't about restriction. It was about adding things in, you know, adding fiber in, lots of variety, adding fermenting foods in. And I think that is definitely a, a behavioral shift that, that needs to happen. And for that to happen, you need to sort of see the facts really. Um, and those light bulb moments of the facts. Um, but I think that is a, is a big hurdle to get over. And I think um, that's why, you know, education is always at the heart of everything that we do because the hurdle will only be jumped if you know the science behind it. Yeah. That's, that's so incredibly huge. I think that's all super important information and things for people to remember. And I want to go back to what you said before, you know, kind of touching on the difference between an allergy and a sensitivity. Like, first of all, is there tests that we're, that you guys recommend uh, people get or tests that you don't recommend might be good to, <laughs> for people to, to know of kind of what's popular? And also just, you know, wh- how do we start to understand the difference between those two? Yeah. Do you know what? It's a tricky one because if you are having a digestive issue, of course, you just want an answer and you want to be able to trust in a home kit that you spend quite a lot of money on to send away. Um, But, you know, here in the UK and I'm, I'm sure in the States as well, it's always best to do this with a healthcare practitioner. So for things like if you're testing for celiac or if you're lactose intolerant, um, you know, because then you will get the sort of aftercare and support that you need as well. Um, And unfortunately, there just isn't the scientific evidence behind these tests that say that they can, you know, look at it in traces in your blood and stuff with these home kits. Um, So, yeah, I mean, hopefully one day in the future, maybe we'll get there. But I would say um, it's probably best to kind of save your money and and try and do it with a practitioner. Mm -hmm. I think as as well, like what amazed us was that, you know, a true allergy is actually a medical condition that's your um, results from your immune system um, sort of like reacting 
like inappropriately reacting to something harmless in, in our environment. Um, and it's easy to confuse a food allergy with a much more common reaction, such as a, a food intolerance. Um, but they are two two totally different things. So um, I think that's important to to read about that. And we've actually got a really good bit on our site about that. So what the differences are. Um, and yeah, it's just important to educate. But as Lisa said, you know, a lot of sort of tests that you can do online and or, or find online just aren't aren't worth the money, really. They're just not backed in any side of scientific evidence. Yeah, I think that something that you said earlier kind of <laughs> resonated with me. And I've heard other people say is like, if you take some of these tests, literally all it tells you is what you've been eating a lot of lately. And so sometimes it might be like <laughs> the thing that's the highest on your test. It's like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't eat seven handfuls of almonds every day and like <laughs> pedal back on that a little bit. Um, exactly. I've heard a few. And anything that tells me not to drink wine, I'm not listening to it. <laughs> exactly. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so, so I kind of want to turn into a lot of people's favorite topic, poop. Let's talk about poop a little bit and how you can use your stools and your poop to kind of assess where you're at. And, you know, what is the Bristol stool chart? How do we use some of these cues literally that our body's giving us every day, hopefully, to know if we need to change anything? Yeah, I mean, firstly, like... We, we're here to sort of like break the poo to poo as well you know we have no fear about talking about poo and you know it just fascinates us that you know when people are talking about babies or puppies you know they talk about poo all the time it's like it's yellow it's green is that fine and then you know with kids they love talking about poo and it's like what age did we sort of stop talking about that yeah which is it's fascinating I think is what we've actually not talked about poo as much from when we started the gut stuff. Even when we um, were when we were still gigging and doing gigs, people in the toilets would literally be like, "I've not pooed for three days. Is that normal?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think um, you know, it actually it highlighted to us as well just really how you have to tune into your own body because what because your normal might not be someone else is normal. Um, so yeah, and that's where the Bristol stool chart is so great and comes in. So essentially the chart is just, I mean, it's a chart of poos um, ranging from what we call like poppets to so runny, it's not funny. And I think that the first, in the first instance, the reason this chart can be useful is if you do go to you know, a doctor or a healthcare practitioner with a digestive issue, usually the first thing they'll ask is, okay, when did you last do a poo? And you're like, um, I don't really know. And, or how have your stools been? And you're like, I'm not sure. But if you have, you know, even six weeks of noting that down and, you know, noting down if they flow, if there's like an oil, like if it looks like there's a bit of an oil slick or oil on there, all of these things are important. And again, we have lots of information on the site from an incredible dietitian that um, Sophie Medlin that, that specializes in that. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it could tell, it can tell you a lot about how things are functioning, you know, at the very, very worst, the taboo means that things and symptoms for things that are serious, such as bowel cancer, perhaps aren't caught as early as they should be. And it could be, you know, more functional symptoms, um, like constipation, etc. So I think it's just something that another indicator for our health that we, just should be taking a look down the toilet at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I use that as an indicator indication of how I'm doing a lot. How often should we be pooping? Is there like a it, multiple times a day, once a day? How, what is, 
quote unquote normal. Yeah. So, you know, there's a kind of old wife's tale that you should do one in the morning every day, but <laughs> um, it is different for everyone. So, you know, one a day, it's difficult to give like a, a sliding scale because everyone's so different. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to know what your normal is um, and to understand the kind of root cause of your symptoms and, and hopefully, you know, find help on that but yeah it's just so different for everyone so that's why it's important to kind of look at it over a period of time so you know kind of what your normal is yeah I think that's that's hugely important to continue to remind people like because it's so easy to get caught in the trap of well this person said I should be going two to three times a day but I'm not and what is normal and what is you know and and it becomes just circulated in what you hear rather than listening into what your body is is normal for you and i think that's i love that you reiterate that point absolutely and i think you know the anxiety of going too much or not being able to go as well can have an effect and as you say that can be exasperated by dr google and things you read online about mm-hmm. what's normal and not and um, so i think it's important to kind of tune in to yourself and you know if we as identical twins we definitely don't have the same toilet habits mm-hmm. um so yeah it's a uh, yeah do you that's what we usually do <laughs> i do, like you that. do mm-hmm. your poo totally you do <laughs> you when you poo boo um <laughs> you, you brought up something that i want to dive into and I, you know i love how this talk is talking a lot about what's popularized, what's getting thrown out on social media in your face. Jen and I battle that with movement and the movement discussion all the time. But, you know, I think one thing, especially in this past year, year plus about now, people are moving and eating a lot differently. And and along with that, I feel like has come a rise in different things like anxiety, depressions, a lot more stress. And I want you to talk a little bit about how how we eat and what the quality of our gut biome is can affect our different stresses and anxieties. Yeah, so this is actually the kind of area of gut health that tends to like pique people's interest the most. Um, unfortunately, you know, because of this, it's also the thing that tends to get sensationalized quite a lot, um, particularly in the media. It's like, have a bit of sauerkraut and it'll cure your depression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what we do know is that your gut and brain are linked in so many ways. Um, So there's a thing called the vagus nerve, unfortunately nothing to do with Las Vegas, um, that is a physical connection that runs between your gut and brain. Um, And actually what, you know, we've always kind of historically known that if you see the person that you fancy, you get butterflies in your stomach. So we've known that there's always a link there, but the gut brain axis is is actually pretty complex. And we realize now that that link is two ways. So there's that physical link, which we like to see as the kind of telephone wire. And then there's also, they're also linked chemically through hormones called neurotransmitters. So, you know, neurotransmitters play a key role in regulating how your gut works and your mood. So everything from serotonin, which is the happy hormone, GABA, which is your calming hormone, uh, and dopamine, which is the motivator, the one where you get a like on Instagram. (laughs) And your gut and brain are constantly talking to each other. You know, like if you think of neurotransmitters or like WhatsApp and the Vegas nerve as the phone line there's so many different connections um and they both play such a key role in each other um and actually you know what goes on your gut affects your brain and what's happening in your brain affects your gut so that's why it can be quite complex because obviously mental health is so multifactorial and i think how we have to kind of approach it and it's the same when we talk about you know the gut and skin the gut and immunity is that you know diet and nutrition could be or a piece of the puzzle 
um, when we're talking about mental health rather than the kind of catch-all solution. It could be a tool in our armory or something for us to better understand ourselves. Yeah, I think that's huge. We talk about, you know, tapping into the vagus nerve and getting into that parasympathetic system, even just in movement. I think it's it's a tool that helps you tap into your body. And that's what we use it for usually. Yeah. Like, here's your baseline of where to start. And then based on, can you even access <laughs> that parasympathetic? Can we get back to stimulating that vagus nerve? And now let's focus on all the fancy stuff, you know? And and I love that, you know, it's, it's drawing that, that comparison of a toolbox. It's just something to add in. It's not the end all be all, but it's, it's a tool that's going to help. Um, and what other tools like kind of in a broader spectrum, can you guys kind of recommend in terms of what in general would help your, your gut? I think we kind of touched on them a little bit in the beginning, but do you have like the five things that can really just kind of help in the in the beginning to start to address your gut or feel something different here it is give us the answer right now <laughs> no just, 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 just um okay so i guess the first thing to kind of before we get on to kind of food and nutrition as well is that it's sometimes not just about what you eat but how you eat um and ever and having a more holistic approach as you guys know all too well um and you know things like sleep i think that's we've we uh, can speak to a lot of people that potentially work on night shifts or work late nights and actually your gut bugs have a circadian rhythm as well so it's really important to start to focus on sleep hygiene so that would be one that I would say and um, the second one sounds really simple and you're probably like I've got really far into this podcast <laughs> and she's just telling me to chew but chewing is really important you know we break down fo- foods both physically with our teeth obviously and then chemically and a lot of us, particularly Alan and I, we're like hoovers when it comes to food. We just inhale food. And we're not, we're, we leave so much work for the rest of our digestive system if we don't chew our food properly. And you know, you have big food particles um, going down there that just creates a lot of work for everyone else in the chain. Your gut bugs are like, come on, guys, you could have got that smaller. Um, so yeah, chewing is important and it's something that we all, you know, hopefully have access to. And, um, you know, a lot of, if you think of big food particles, you know, your gut bugs start having to go and then it creates more bloating. And I think a lot of people kind of see that link. So yeah, chewing would be another one. And then everything else is pretty simple, like hydration, um, you know, drinking more water. It's all stuff that we know. And then exercise, can also play a really key role, which you guys obviously um, know. And your gut bugs like you to move. And studies have actually shown that working out increases the populations of the beneficial bacteria in your gastrointestinal tract by up to 40%. Mm. So there's quite a lot of studies. And again, we have them on the site. And I think that the problem with exercise is some people feel intimidated that they feel like it should be, you know, for your gut bugs, a really intense hit class. And I think it's a similar when we come to kind of you know, stress in the gut as well. People think that well-being has to be, you know, gong baths and standing on your head drinking green smoothies. When actually, you know, when it comes to movement, um, as you guys know and are amazing at, it doesn't have to be the really intense classes that we all think we have to do. And secondly, um, you know, with stress in the gut, you de-stressing might be going to a bar with your friends and kind of waxing lyrical and it's meditative because you're talking about everything and nothing. Mm. It doesn't have to be what you think as well-being. So I think that would be one of our tips is like, again, find out 
what's right for you. Um, Fibre, obviously, we've talked loads about uh, variety as well. Um, and then pre and probiotics, you know, starting to potentially introduce some fermented foods um, into your diet. We would say that's maybe like your level five or six, though. <laughs> so like if you get all the other stuff down and start to um, make the other small changes. Um, our mum, for exam- example, is a barometer for that. We're, she's like, that fermented food just makes me gag. Um, so we're still getting her on like sourdough. <laughs> she's, she's at level two. <laughs> I think as well, like just overall, uh, y- your first point into gut health is just empowering yourself with the knowledge, you know, reading the facts and that will lead to behavior shifts which is which is key to any sort of lifestyle change um and you know it, with that in mind empowering yourself with the facts and also keeping in mind what works for you isn't going to you know work for your best friend or your sister your mom your dad your brother and that i think that's a really super important message you know what's working for one person isn't necessarily working for you and that's that tuning in piece isn't it um that we all we all have to do you know it's difficult we all just want to be given a sheet of paper with a pill of optimum health and going right on your way good luck bye and unfortunately that just isn't going to happen we need to put the work in ourselves but when you start to you know read the science and get excited about the science you know it can be a journey that you you can that you'll really enjoy like we did you know if you told us five or six years ago that we'd own a gut health company we would have said what's your gut and um, you know we definitely have come on this journey from as complete sort of novices and um yeah we're just so so passionate about the powers of 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 gut health and the microbiome and you know we just want everyone to share that passion I love that um and I just want to ask too real quick have you guys noticed yourselves personally as you've started to dive into this and pay more attention and maybe try out different things have have your own health journeys kind of transformed have you noticed do you still have rheumatoid arthritis like are 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 there changes that have happened in your body yeah definitely I think most of them actually have been behavioral we before used to always you know we would do like the cabbage soup diet (laughs) free going on holiday or remember when Beyonce did the cayenne pepper diet you know we were always a thought that nutrition had to be about restriction um, you know and quite weight loss focused mm. and now you know we just have so much more energy and um, we don't kind of torture ourselves with restriction we, we've just got a more holistic approach I guess to you know not only our digestive health but everything else as well and you know probably just going a bit easier on ourselves too. But yeah, I definitely think, you know, anecdotally, we have a lot more energy. Um, and yeah, we definitely sleep more now that we're not doing DJ gigs. So it's yes. <laughs> I think before as well, you know, we probably only tuned into our body if we were hungover or we were ill. So every time we tuned in, it was for something negative or bad. And actually, you know, feeling good now for me, is really, really different from, from, you know, what felt good in theory before. So I think that's, that's got a lot to do with it. Um, and just empowering yourself, you know, I think that's so key to, to feeling, to feeling better, um, Mm -hmm. from the inside out, but Lisa sort of hit the nail on the head. You know, we always thought of health as the outside in, and now we definitely think about it from the inside out. And so many good sound bites right there. And (laughs) so many incredible things that, we love to preach and I love when we hear the experts or the people who have studied these things so much say like a lot of the recommendations you said right there had nothing to do with what you eat, you know, it has to do with all of the 
global things that you can add into your life, the abundance that we can have of good things that support our system. And like you said, we in a lot of the world live in societies that push us up to the edge of illness or push us up to the edge of death. Only then is when we start to pay attention and try to figure out how to do things better rather than adding in all these things that we know can help optimize our being. And I think you've given us some incredible tips throughout this podcast. I hope people go back through. I hope people look you up at the gut stuff and the Mac twins. Where else can people find all the incredible information that you two put out? Yeah. So on our website, we've got so many different experts and specialists. So there's loads of free advice on there. There's downloads. And we also have just launched our book in America, which has got 18 um, of yeah, 18 experts, everything from, you know, immunology to skin um, to breath work. Uh, there's so much in there and it's actually really quick and easy to read. So, um, yeah, I would say the book's quite a good place because it's got lots of amazing different voices in it as well. So, um, yeah, and then all of our handles are just the gut stuff. Really easy. <laughs> Amazing. Of course, we're going to link all of that up. You guys are just, you're doing, you're doing it right because there's no one way for anything. That's how we start our podcast, you know, discovering what optimal means within your own body. And you guys just embrace that to a T. So <laughs> thank you so much for the work that you're doing, for the information that you're providing people and the way that you guys are doing it. You're making it really accessible, really educational. And we just appreciate a lot of what you guys are putting out in the world. Right. Thank you so much. And you guys, thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Hopefully we can get across and meet you in real life very soon. <laughs> I know. One day. That'd be amazing. Or the other way around. <laughs> we would love to come to the UK. Yeah. <laughs> One day. Yeah. Come over. <laughs> we'll show you the sights. And there we have it, yet another amazing guest on the Optimal Body Podcast. So now what we ask of you, if you loved any bit of that or resonated with it, go share it out, share it with a friend, share it on your social media, because you know there are more people out there that would resonate with it just the same. Also, subscribe, rate, review on your favorite podcast app so we know what you want to learn or other guests that you think we should bring on for you in the future. Keep tuning in to find your optimal body.